please turn with me to Luke 9 this morning, page 1030 in your pew Bibles. Luke 9, we'll read 23 through 62, looking at the last section there, 57 through 62, as our text. Luke 9, 23 through 62. May God bless this word. The theme running through it is really a call to discipleship. Jesus has announced his death. He would be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, verse 23, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we're here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg to you, I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And while he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. But while they were all marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. But they didn't understand this saying. And it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. 
But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you, among you all is the one who is great. Jesus answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he doesn't follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people didn't receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. Now our text, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is God's word. May he bless us by it. Build up our faith. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have a memory like mine, has a lot of leaks in it, you won't remember that about two years ago I preached on this passage. And if you do, you would say, why is he doing this one again? Do we need an extra dose of this? Well, there are three things that came together that led me to choose this passage Again, and the first one is someone asked that I would preach that sermon again from two years ago. Well, I really didn't look that old one up, but the text I am preaching again. At the same time, it's the text that Steve DeBoer used, the first service of Providence United Reformed Church on January 3, 1999. So it's fitting also for that reason that we look at this again. 25 years later. And the third reason is we've been talking about Jesus going down the road that leads to Jerusalem where he's going to give his life. And he meets Bartimaeus and saves him. And Bartimaeus is all in, follows him. Dirt poor. Then he meets a man filthy rich, Zacchaeus. And he saves him and Zacchaeus is all in and he gives half of his goods to the poor and restores fourfold whatever he stole. He's all in. But not everybody was all in. And we read about three unnamed guys here. 
Matthew has this earlier in Jesus' ministry. Luke has it later. Neither of them give a time indicator. This stuff happened all the time. Here are three samples. They're unnamed because it could be any one of us. And the most important issue for our Lord Jesus Christ here in this passage to Providence today is are you serious about following Jesus? Are you serious about being a Christian? It's a huge challenge. Because many were not then and are not now serious followers. We look at the passage and Jesus' responses and we want to say to him, are you serious? But it's really the other way around. He's asking me, are you serious about following me? So the first thing we want to look at is, are Jesus' demands of these three guys unreasonable? At first glance, they look unreasonable. Here are three nice guys. One says, I will follow you. To another, Jesus says, follow me. The third guy says, I will follow you, but. But three nice guys. And someone comes up to Jesus when he's going along the way. And he makes a commitment. I will follow you wherever you go. Sign this guy up. Aren't you looking for passion and zeal for the kingdom of Christ like that? Sign him up. And Jesus just douses this hot zeal with cold water. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's no way to welcome a seeker. What Jesus is saying, oh, you want to follow me, do you? Well, you don't have a clue what you're saying. Foxes have homes, those pests. They have homes they live in. Birds of the air have homes they live in. The Son of Man, the Messiah, the exalted one that God will send to save his people. We read of him in Daniel 7, Son of Man. He's homeless. You really want to follow me wherever I go? I'm on my way to Jerusalem, giving up my life. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried, falsely condemned. I mean, nailed to a cross. I'm going to become a curse. You really? Are you serious? You want to go down my road of suffering, rejection, and persecution? So we know that's what discipleship means, right? Deny yourself, take up your cross daily. To the second guy, Jesus seems even more unkind and insensitive. I would say even rude. The guy is standing there, apparently, as Jesus is walking along the road. Apparently has some interest or he wouldn't be there. Jesus calls to him, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first go and bury my father. And Jesus answers, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's kind of nasty. In other words, let the spiritually dead people out there go and bury your dad. You go and proclaim the kingdom. 
In Jewish culture, proper burial of your family members is one of the highest sacred duties. Are you putting that down and saying, forget that stuff? You proclaim the kingdom? Now, it could be some say that this man's dad wasn't dead yet. And so he's saying, you know, I'm still at home with my parents and I have family obligations. And when those are over, then we'll check in again. Sorry, I'm committed to my family for the next 10 years. But we don't know that. Maybe he's dead or dying and maybe he's still got some years to live. But all we know is that Jesus completely rejects his excuse for not following. He puts down his need to bury his father. And, And I think, Jesus, are you in a bad mood or something that you're talking like this today? Can we take you seriously? Jesus is asking him that. Are you really serious about following me if you're going to put your family first before me? I've just called you. But you're saying, let me first, me first. Then we have the third guy, verse 61. I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Now that seems right on. I'm going to be right there, Lord, in a jiffy, I got to go back though and say goodbye to my loved ones before I'm ready to answer your call. Didn't Elisha do that? When Elijah called him, remember Elijah threw his prophet's cloak on Elisha to symbolize the prophetic call is now being transferred to you. And Elisha answers, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I'll follow you. And Elijah says, go back again. What have I done to you? In other words, go ahead. So Jesus, what's the problem? And Jesus' answer seems so harsh. If if you do that, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. If you put your hand to the plow and turn back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Even when you plowed with a tractor, right? Look carefully where you're heading. If you took your eyes off to see, I wonder if I'm going straight. Well, you know what's going to happen. Unless you got something called GPS. They didn't have that. Neither did I as a kid. I never plowed straight. And there were reasons for that. And this was one of them. I wonder if I'm going straight. Looking behind you. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. If you want to go back and say goodbye. I wonder if you ever feel Jesus is unfair in his demands. I do. I mean, I know he's not, but it sure seems that way. Do you sometimes think he's too demanding and unreasonable? Are your hearts leaning more toward the side of the three guys instead of the one, Jesus? Where's my heart this morning? Brothers and sisters, I assure you, Jesus was never unreasonable. Look at his ministry. The problems were not with him, but with his followers or would-be followers. He's being realistic. And on his road to Jerusalem, he faces many would-be disciples who want to go in with him. 
but they're not serious. Because they want Jesus plus an easy life, or they want Jesus plus their other life, or they want Jesus plus their family. But not Jesus only as their ultimate love and commitment. We read that in John 6, for example. There were so many people following him. And then he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He's talking about eating his sacrifice, his death on the cross, eating the gospel as if your life depended on it. And they thought, you want us to depend on you that much. And it says from that time on, people stopped following him. So he meant this all the time. People that weren't serious. And he's challenging me and you this morning. Are you serious? We live in a time of casual discipleship. Convenience discipleship. I'm in, Lord, when it works for me. We want easy instead of earnest. We want cozy instead of costly. I do. Maybe some here do as well. And Jesus is saying, are you serious? You all in? I'm all in for you. I'm going to the cross to save you. I'm giving up my life to redeem you. How much is that worth to you? He's saying. Thou art Christ, O Christ, art all I want, more than all in thee I find. Is that true of you? Or I want you some of the time when it's convenient for me, as long as it doesn't get in the way of the other things that I love. And that kind of commitment to Jesus really doesn't have a hold on him and won't save you. Because then we really don't want him that badly. This is a challenge. He's calling for radical discipleship. Let's take another look at these three guys and see what Jesus is really saying to them and to us. The first guy we're going to call him Mr. Easy Street. Guy comes up to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Matthew tells us he was a scribe. He wants to follow this rabbi Jesus. He's really impressed. Normally when a person asks to become a disciple of a rabbi, that means that he would become his student to learn Torah and he would go in and live with him and eat with him and walk along the road with him and study with him. And this scribe is looking for the easy life of a student. That's what was normal. And Jesus is saying, you know, I don't have a home. I'm not your ordinary rabbi. I'm going to a cross. Is that what you're looking for? He's a savior headed to Jerusalem to die for his people and redeem us from sin and death and give us a new life of walking with God. And to be his disciple is more than being a student and getting smart. Brothers and sisters, it's more than Bible study. 
It's a life of embracing a cross, suffering rejection, and offering your life for others. It's about putting your all on the altar. Grace played that earlier. Until all on the altar we lay. Not because that can save us, but because we're following the one who does save us. And then you got to follow hard. Am I serious about being a disciple of the Son of Man, the Messiah? The road leads to glory. We had the Mount of Transfiguration, that's where things are headed. And there's free forgiveness of sins and free inheritance in heaven. But the road to get there is costly. It's painful. You see, Jesus knows what's in a man. John 2 says, but Jesus on his part didn't entrust himself to people because he knew them. And he needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in a man. John 2, 24 and 25. We got to understand that as we see these three events, encounters, that Jesus sees and knows more than we do. But what about us? As we look at Mr. Easy Street, I want to be your student. I want to learn lots. Do we want Jesus only as long as he makes things easy for us and he doesn't require anything of us that's uncomfortable? anything we don't want to do. An easy Jesus. I'm afraid that fits me too often. Tell the story of a pastor in another church some years ago speaking with a man who a man who wasn't doing well spiritually. He was getting lost in his work. He wasn't reading his Bible much. Wasn't willing to serve or help his church. His family was hurting. Because of this his world had become rather small closed in upon himself. So the pastor challenged this man to come in closer, focus more on Christ, take a little bit more time every morning to read the Bible and pray, get involved with the congregation, go to a Bible study, have people over. You need to commit fully to Christ and his kingdom or things are are really going to go south for you. The man said, Pastor, You need to remember I have my limits. I don't do anything I don't want to do. Ouch. I don't do anything I don't want to do. Is that what kind of disciple I am? He's kindly calling me in this first episode of discipleship. To follow him, he's going to a cross to gain a crown for us that gets us to glory. He's got us totally covered the whole way. All the forgiveness you need, all the help you need. When your heart is breaking and when you're full of pain, all the intercession you need. And when you don't know where to turn or what to think or what to do, all the wisdom you need. When you feel so powerless, all the spirit, Holy Spirit you need. Oh, it's not easy. But you know, if you stay away from him and have an easy life, Jesus said you're going to lose your life. 
Do I want an easy Jesus? Or do I want to take his road? Well, the next guy is Mr. Family Man who says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Let me first. You see the me first there? Jesus can see through him. This is the issue in his life. He's not against burial. Not against burying dads and moms. But he sees through it. Family first. Jesus next. That's what's going on. It may seem that Jesus is unreasonable and insensitive toward him when he says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. But he's actually saying you have a me first problem. Let me first. You have a kingdom first issue. And that's another problem, isn't it? People will put their family ahead of the kingdom of Jesus. Family first sounds pious until we realize that Jesus always comes next, not first. And that's when our devotion goes to our parents or children first and our leftovers go to, goes to Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus said, that's not going to get you through. That kind of devotion isn't going to carry you. How many won't go and proclaim the kingdom of Christ because they have to leave their family behind? How many parents try to persuade their children not to go to the mission field or into a danger zone because they want to hang on to their kids? How many people modify their beliefs in order to gain the approval of their family? We just, we just want to have a nice Christmas, you know. So you got to go along to get along. And commitment to Jesus is sort of shoved off. Remember, Jesus said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me, Matthew 10. So he's asking us again, are you serious about putting Jesus first and his kingdom first in your life? And the third guy is Mr. Reluctant. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Maybe he's even using Elisha as an excuse to go back home. Elisha did this, you know. But Jesus sees through his words. Elisha went home. He was plowing with oxen. He went home and he cut up the oxen and he cut up the wood of the plows and he used the wood to burn up the oxen, offer a sacrifice and devote his life. He's not going home to delay. He's not going home because he's reluctant because he's trying to stay, keep a foot in both worlds. I want to go and yet I want to stay. Jesus sees through it. He says, I know what this guy's doing. He's putting his hand to the plow because he doesn't want to miss out. But he's even more worried about missing out on his earthly loves. So he's, as Pilgrim's Progress calls him, Mr. Facing Both Ways. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
He's going to be one of these guys that's in the kingdom but wishes he wasn't because he misses the other life. One of these guys that dreams what life might be, what my life might look like if they didn't have to live as a Christian. When Jesus says they're not fit for the kingdom of God, he means that literally they're not equipped to handle the journey. They don't have what it takes to handle the journey. Your heart follows your eyes, right? So where your eyes are looking, that's really where your heart is and is looking back. Like Lot's wife looked back because she did not want to leave that world and all its fun and relaxation and comforts. That's where her true home was and that's where this guy's true home is, not with Jesus. Maybe you feel some reluctance, regret, and resentment that you're sort of stuck in the Christian world. Ah, I just wish I could get out of this Christian world and live the easy life for you. Punch out at five in the afternoon and then the rest is me time. See, Jesus is not first in his life. Here we have another me first. I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell. Jesus is not first. But if you're looking back to the life you'd rather have, brothers and sisters, you're not going to make it the whole way. You won't have enough oil in your lamp to keep going. Once more, Jesus is asking us, are you serious? Are you really devoted? Just one more thing. Valuable devotion. Our, our J.C. Ryle wrote, Christ will not gather into his army those who cannot be his, his soldiers. But why is Jesus so concerned about these guys? Come on, let him in. Because the simple command of the kingdom is two words, follow me. Both words are important, but the second one is more important. Follow me, Jesus. Jesus has everything it takes for you to make the trip and get you home to God. And Jesus knows that if we're not all into him, then it's the other stuff that's going to destroy us. It's going to give us the fuel shortage. A divided heart doesn't have enough Christ energy to make it home to heaven, to stay in the race to the end. A divided heart doesn't have enough Christ energy to stay in the race to the end. So there's only one way, brothers and sisters, to be his disciple, to fasten yourself completely on Jesus Christ. Follow me. 
because only he has what it takes for you to make it the whole way. The proof is where he's going, loaded with our sins, Achaeus' sins, Bartimaeus' burdens, the sins of all his people perishing on the cross, but that's not where the road ends. After that, he's going to go to glory. And so a half-hearted attachment to Christ will fail you. Hanging on to Jesus with one hand is not enough. Keeping only one eye on Jesus will lead you astray. Part-time commitment will hold you fast. Follow me. If you want really to be safe, brother, sister, give yourself wholly to Christ. Because he has it all. Comes before the easy life, before your family, before your earthly loves. Because to endure the race, says Hebrews 12, you got to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, not one eye, eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. I look at these guys. And I don't know about you, but I see too much of myself in all three of them. Easy life? Yeah. Bearing a cross? No. Family first? Yeah. Not looking back to the good times of the old life? And all that tells me is I just need more of him. More of Jesus. More of that me and follow me. Less of that me first and those three guys. Let me first. Because that's what's going to kill me. That's what's going to make me not make it. So brothers and sisters, are you serious? If you're not, go to him. Ask for forgiveness. Repent of being half-hearted and only partially committed and say, I want to be all in, Lord. You've got to give that to me. I'm so scared. I'm so loved with what's easy. You've got to give that to me. Maybe you're serious most of the time or some of the time, but not all the time. What do you do about that? Same thing. Repent of that. Go to him. He's the forerunner. He's the trailblazer. He's the captain of your salvation. He's the one that went ahead of you. He opened the door for you through his death and then his ascension resurrection and ascension he's got it let's follow him amen heavenly father again the challenge of this passage hits us between the eyes we know that we need a savior We thank you that you set your face resolutely for Jerusalem. You were not half-hearted. You were not partially committed. You did not 
let anything else get in the way or go first. But faithfulness to God was everything for you. And therefore, we know you are the one we need for our life. Lord, where we've not been serious, we pray that you will change our hearts and our minds. When we lack in this seriousness, we pray that you will come to us with your forgiving love and renewing power and enable us more wholeheartedly to walk in the way of the Lord. We ask that you will hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen.